We are tonight's entertainment. You can't handle the truth. The fire rises. Pizza time. You're a wizard, Harry. So it be. You know how much I sacrifice! You think that's air you're breathing? Groovy. I don't have friends. I got family. We services so trent so parth nice to see you you're looking well you're looking well also wow thank you today is a notable occasion do you know why why is that look at me oh something it's something we've been talking about for a long long time well because you see folks uh trent and i have been talking for probably like half an hour now so i was already desensitized to this but um, but when we got into the call, you were shocked. I I, I was mesmerized. Stephen, you were rendered speechless. Como se dice? Everyone, everyone, Trent is shirtless. Yeah, well, we've been talking for a while about doing the shirtless pod, where like everyone, like in an interview, in a discussion, everyone, boy, girl, whomever, is shirtless, and we call it the shirtless pod. And I always thought that that would be a fun idea. Um, Parth is less excited, but I was shirtless and we were, we were just doing like a little five, 10 minute recording. And I thought, why needlessly put on the shirt? Um, because I wanted to entice Parth, but he just, he just gave, he gave me a little tease, but he didn't want to be shirtless for the full duration of the show. I'm sorry, everyone. Uh, I'll try in the future to be better. He's also stated his opposition to getting our interviewees to take their shirts off. You know, I know I'm in the minority, but I think that might be unprofessional. It's just, it's not a visual medium. Like, the listeners wouldn't know, but it would just, like, be for us. (laughs) Trent, what have you been eating? (laughs) Haven't eaten since breakfast, but, but breakfast was bread, that friend of the show, friend off the show, Tamara, housemate, made, and... Wow. She's such a little chef. The backstory of the bread is that someone in her life died, and she recently went to the wake, and she baked baked two loaves of bread in hopes of giving one of them the more appealing one to the mourning family, and both of them didn't rise, and so they were like bread frisbees. And so she said that I could eat some. So I had it for breakfast alongside some eggs and a smoothie. I mean, I'm sorry that that person died. Um, but it was I'm in happy a, you it, got some food out of it. It was in a bicycle accident. <laughs> oh, how unfortunate. Um, it's a good thing she doesn't listen to the podcast because then she doesn't have to hear me laughing about this person that she knew dying from a bicycle accident. Not not a motorcycle like a, like a bike with, with wheels. Wow. Um, what about you? What have you been eating? I had tofu with rice for dinner. It, it was like a, a little thing and a salad. Um, it was delicious. I had a good time eating it. Good for you. Well, we have... Do you know what, like football games where they like flip a coin at the beginning of the game? We have to do something similar to that. Should little... we should should we do this now or should we No, get let's leave the them intro. in suspense. Let's leave them in suspense. Let's do the intro music and then we'll yeah, that's, discuss that's what I'm on the other ha- on the other side. Parthos, I'll see you on the other side, buddy. All right. Uh I'm going to miss you. Now, through the ma- through the magic of editing, it'll just be it'll be a, just be a split second. 
Cue the intro. Welcome back to Craft Services, where we talk about the movies. Each week we talk about a film and hopefully have a crew member of that film to talk with us about their experience working on the picture. And today, Trent, we have an episode. We have an episode. as of the listeners clicking on this episode, they know what we're about to listen to, right? Mm -hmm. Am I wrong? But, and correct me again if... Correct me again, but uh, mm-hmm. we do not know what they're about to listen to. Am I wrong? No, our fate is about to be determined by a President George Washington. So for the listeners, um, we have right now two interviews stashed, ready to go out. In our back pocket. One, uh, but we don't know which one we want to do. And we needed to record an intro for one of them. And... Mm-hmm. And we thought, what, why not record an intro for both of them and neither of exactly. them simultaneously? At the same time. And so we thought, hey, wouldn't it be a fun little thing if we flipped a coin on air and uh, based on the basis of that coin flip, we would then know what interview Episode we're recording we an intro for. Doing. Yeah. So Trent, um, do you want to lay out our two options? So option number one would be <coughs> interview with... Uh, so option number one, which we'll sign to the head side of the coin, would be interview with the Matrix Resurrections editor, uh, Joseph Jet Sally. Um, that interview was pretty dope. Uh, I liked yeah. it. And recorded the day after the film premiered. But yeah. We have yet to release it until like four months afterwards. He also worked on Speed Racer. He has an action figure made of him. Yes, uh, because he was in Star Wars. Because he was an editor on... Assistant editor. Assistant editor on Star Wars. And so he got to be an extra in the big battle sequence in Star Wars Episode 2, Attack of the Geonosis? Yeah, the one with all the monsters where Jango Fett gets decapitated. Parth, do you think when young Boba Fett picks up the head, like, the helmet that, like, the decapitated... The head is still in the helmet. <laughs> the head is still in the helmet. <laughs> Shouldn't it pop out? That would have happened, except uh, George Lucas cut right at the moment it was starting to slip out. Frankly, this is the option I'm hoping for, um, because it would lead to a discussion the following week of The Matrix Resurrections, which is a movie I have not yet viewed in completion, but I have... Formulated some very strong opinions about it. Yeah, based on seeing it uh, the ha- first half of it in the movie theater and then being in such physical pain that I left to uh, go <laughs> to go watch Licorice Pizza again, which is an opinion, according to Parth. Um, but what's option two? What's, what's the tail side of the coin? The tail side of the coin is an interview we did with my former professor, Molly Asher. She was the producer for Nomadland and is, as such, is an Oscar winner. And she talked with us about producing, has some cool stories about that, um, what she looks for in projects, and, you know, talks about what it was like winning the Oscar, which happened not so long ago. So the producer, like, gets their own Oscar trophy. Like, she probably has a physical Oscar. She does. She showed us in class. She actually 
two days after the Oscars, she it was our last day of class, and she showed it to everyone and answered everyone's questions about it. Did she let you hold it? Well, it was on Zoom because oh. online. But still, that's pretty cool. Yeah, it was pretty awesome. Part, do you think you'll ever win an Oscar? Definitely, yeah. Wow, confidence. No, yeah, like easily. So it's not quickly. that weird. It's 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 not that hard. Okay, um, cool. On to the next section of the show. Um, this is our first coin flip ever. Yes? Not like throughout our whole lives, but I mean like with the, with the stakes like this. With these stakes. We we flipped a coin during the best director matchup. Oh, for what? Who could draft first? No, it was between David Fincher and Christopher Nolan at the end. And spoilers, I think- David Fincher won. I think back on that and that I died on the David Fincher hill. And as much as I like him, I think I was, I wasn't being objective in saying that Christopher Nolan wasn't more prolific than him. Hmm. Interesting. So Parth is right again. Interesting. On to the coin flip. I'm older now. I have perspective. Okay. So just for reference, the tail side is for the state of North Carolina and it was issued in 2015. Here we go. So I'm going to do a flip. And then a catch, and then a flip over onto the back of my opposite hand. Okay. Sort of the standard. And heads is? Matrix. Tails is Molly Asher, who was the producer of No Man Land. But we also did a No Man Land episode already, so this wouldn't lead to us doing a No Man Land episode. No. It would kind of just be a one-off, and then the following week would be the Matrix interview. So if you're hankering for the, that Matrix interview, it's coming Don't worry, soon. it's coming out. Yeah. Okay, here you go. You ready? I'm I'm waiting. Should, wait, should I put a... A sound effect? A sound effect, yeah. Okay, make it sound cool. Okay, wait, 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 wait. How about you flip the coin, like you flip the coin, put it put it on your uh, the top of your hand, and then I'll do like a little drum sound effect, and then you'll reveal. Okay, all right, I'm ready. Okay, here it is. The final result, about to be uncovered. Three. Two. One. You want to guess, Parth? Is it heads? It's tails. So that's Molly Asher? It is. We must wow. honor the coin. The coin gods have spoken. Wow. That, that was pretty intense, Trent. I know. There was, before, I did like a practice one, and I would have played it, but it landed on my belly, and then I thought to pick it up off that would be cheating. And so now I can only think what that flip would have been. Nothing good, you know? It was a 50... We had a 50-50 shot. The state of North Carolina reigned supreme. But yeah, I guess here's our Molly Asher interview. Yeah, she was super nice to us, which is pretty cool considering her status in the industry, you know? She's an Oscar winner. Um, But enjoy this interview. Hello, everybody, and welcome to our interview with Molly Asher. She's an independent film producer behind such films as Songs My Brother Taught Me, The Rider, and Swallow. She's won the Academy Award for Best Picture with the film Nomadland, and more importantly, she was my professor when she won it. Thank you so much for being with us here today. Thanks for having me. Um, so like, just to start off, uh, what would you say your relationship with films were when you were uh, at a young age? I wasn't very much of a movie um moviegoer um i was uh, more in the performing arts um 
So I don't know if I really, I didn't have really start to have a relationship with movies until I got older. And I think you went to undergrad for musical theater, but then, and you wanted to be an actress and then that didn't yeah. pan out. It's like, what happened there? Um, yeah, I mean, I, used, I, I was a singer and a dancer growing up and always imagined that I wanted to be on Broadway. And so, um, so I went to school for that and then realized that I didn't actually like it, but I liked straight acting. And so I pursued that, but was mainly a waitress for a, a long time and feeling very like I had no real control over my life, you know, going to auditions and everything's in somebody else's hands. Um, so I, I made a, a short film with some friends and then discovered that I liked putting it all together and then went to film school. Uh, so did you, you went to NYU for graduate school and was it for film? Mm-hmm. And if so, what was, what was that experience mm-hmm. like? It was wonderful. It was, it was truly life-changing. Um, you know, I, I went because I wanted to not only learn filmmaking, but I wanted to find my people basically like the people that I would then work with. Um, and, uh, you know, it was a really wonderful experience where I got it, a chance to learn every aspect of filmmaking and, and really felt um, free to, to make mistakes and discover. Yeah. I, I, it was, it was a truly a special time. So obviously you ended up moving into producing and sort of what was it about it that you, that uh, attracted you to that kind of a role in filmmaking? Um, I think a couple of things I'm, I'm, when I really believe in someone, I, I want, I, I, amplify amplify their voices their stories and there's also a part of me that when somebody thinks they can't do something or if I'm told no that I love to prove people wrong so um so which I, I guess is probably why I end up in indie filmmaking <laughs> with that being said can you explain um the basic uh duties and exactly what a producer does yeah. Um, well, my my course at Rutgers is what it was it 14 classes in order to yeah. answer that question. <laughs> if you go to Rutgers, you should take that class. <laughs> um, so I, I kind of look at a producers being the 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 force behind um, a film or, you know, TV series or whatever kind of the person who understands what the vision is um for the for the director and is doing everything possible to lay a groundwork find the right people keep that vision uh true from beginning to end so i come onto projects early in um script stage sometimes even earlier when it's just an idea and work with with the writer i often work with writer directors and then um and then you know i'm i'm in it every phase. So um, from the working with the writer on the script to getting the, the talent together, the financing, finding the best um, department heads, and then, you know, overseeing the production and then its strategy for how to get it out into the world. So obvi- I, I feel like part of the producerial role is kind of like you're saying, like jumpstarting these projects and Part of that is probably attracting investors. Um, like, is that a skill that you feel like you kind of always had of being able to like pitch projects and things, or is that something you've had to sort of acquire over time? I definitely think it's something that, uh, you know, takes some learning and some practice. Um, you know, I didn't, 
I, but I but I think at the same time there is some some kind of innate ability to get people excited about a project, you know, and you do the same thing when you're trying to find the right crew members, you know, the right DP or whatever, knowing how to how to talk about the project and what's going to get that person excited. Um, but but yeah, it's over time, you know, trying trying to understand what it is that an investor might be looking for and how best to to angle your pitch to to their their needs. So when looking for a project, uh, is there any specific like qualities in a, in the director that you are looking for? Like when you want, when you're considering getting involved with them? One of the important things I think is, is, is identifying if they're, if they're collaborative, like if, you know, if I'm, if I'm giving thoughts on the script that I've read, like how do they take those notes? Is it something, does it, does it feel like they're listening and, and engaged with it or, or shut off from it? I also really love filmmakers who are really driven, like the kind of thing of like, whether you work on this or not, I'm making this movie happen. You know, I find that um, incredibly important. You know, another thing I look for is, uh, someone who has a strong vision and who can articulate it. Is script edits a big part of the job, like in an early stage? Yes, definitely. Yeah. You've worked a bunch with Chloe Zhao, who I believe you met at NYU. What's that process between the two of you like? I mean, as I understand it, she has a very specific process that's not necessarily like how normal movies normally get mm-hmm. or movies normally get made. So from a producer standpoint, what's that relationship with her like for you? Yeah, it is different. You know, um, it, it came out of necessity, but um, she, her, she is, her writing comes a lot from places that she goes and people that she meets. So um, and so in a lot of ways, like the writing process is in some ways also like the prep of a movie. And so I I might uh, either am going out with her scouting as she's as she's putting together the story or um, finding people to connect her to. So it's a very uh, it's like an active sort of like a, like a like a physically active kind of development, whereas, you know, working with a filmmaker that is um, in, a, in a more traditional sense, it's it's. Um, sitting down with the script. So you worked on, I believe, three films with Chloe Zhao. Uh, Songs My Brother Taught Me, The Rider, and um, Nomadland, which won the Oscar. Um, and you went to the Academy Awards. Is that so? Can you Could you tell us about that? <laughs> yeah, um, it was quite something. Um, God, I don't even know where to begin. Um, I mean, it was obviously a, a, a different version than ever before because of COVID, but... Um, gosh, I really, I don't know where to begin. (laughs) It was, it was. Did you see any famous people? I did. And then, you know, I, uh, Trent Reznor was there and I am a huge, huge fan of him. And I was as a child and, uh, I actually, there's still a picture of him hanging up in my, my, my bedroom at home. (laughs) And so I was like, I have to go and say. For Nine Inch Nails reasons or for his more, like his recent scoring. Like that's why I'm in love with Trent Reznor. Yeah. I I love his scoring of course, but yes, it was Nine Inch Nails. Um, so I went up to him and was like, I was just, I was so nervous too. And I, I, I realized as I was talking to him that I was like instinctually taking off my mask which, you know, and I was like, oh my God, I'm sorry. <laughs> but I, but I, 
he didn't know who I was or anything. I was like, I produced, I produced Nomadland and like, you know, and I did. <laughs> and by the way, I've been in love with you since I was a child. Exactly. <laughs> cool. Yeah. I saw a picture of you and Francis McDormand and Chloe Zhao on the right carpet. And I was like, that's awesome. <laughs> so like talking about the Oscars, we were kind of wondering like award circuits seem like a weird thing because like, obviously like the movie's done. And mm-hmm. so what's that process like where you're, you have a finished film and you want to take it to, uh, you know, an awards type thing. What's that process like for you? How involved do you have to be on that? Um, well, this was a different experience because we were working because it was, they were, uh, the studio was, you know, angling it for, for the Oscars right. and like, you know, versus, uh, you know, with other films, like we, we go to award ceremonies, Spirit Awards or Gotham's, um, but there mm-hmm. hasn't been as much of it. There wasn't campaigns, you know. Right. So um, we were, as producers, um, involved, pretty involved. And um, the the studio would kind of choose each one of us for, for, for different kind of specialties, you know. So like, for example, I... I did an interview with backstage um, because I, I was a part of a lot of the, the casting. Um, mm-hmm. So, yeah, it's a lot of also repeating, <laughs> repeating the same answers because the same questions are asked over and over. And I kept kidding with my husband that like he could just sit in for me and answer all the questions because he's been hearing me on Zoom. <laughs> so uh, I believe you, uh, songs my brother taught me went to Sundance and when you bring a movie, like a smaller indie movie, to Sundance. Are you like shopping it around and trying to get it bought? Yeah, the intention is to get it bought. So you um, you bring on a publicist and you bring on a sales agent, and they kind of work um, in accordance with one another. And so, like you know, the, the hope is always that your movie premieres and you know there's a bidding war and you stay up all night. Uh, and then, um, but that didn't happen with songs. <laughs> but like, as the, as the producer, like, is your work done, or are you like, oh, some, mm-hmm. or are you are you are you like a representative, like, out there with the clipboard, like, trying to get people to buy your movie? No, the sales agent is doing that. Um, but then you you're involved in in the negotiation of 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 the price and the sale. But the, yeah, the, I mean, some some producers, um, especially nowadays, will take on sales agent duties, but. Um, but really, it's 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 a specialty, you know. So the people who are selling the film have relationships with the distributors. You've also produced a bunch of shorts, um, and we were wondering uh, how different the job is producing a feature film versus a short film, and kind of what the objectives, what the differing objectives with the two are. Yeah, I remember when I was doing my first film feature, I was thinking like, okay, well, this is just going to be like I'm producing for shorts in a row (laughs) and so much of it really is very much the same like the process of of getting it off the ground and and making it and finishing it and but i think a big uh, something that was a big difference was was really was raising the financing because you know when we were in school our our classmates were, were working on the projects for free you know like so we had equipment from school so that was uh, the biggest hurdle, I think, going from shorts to features. And then also, I guess, you know, the aim of what you, of wanting to sell the film. Of, of course, there are people who, you know, sell their shorts. And, um, and, but 
when I was in school, it wasn't as common. So, um, so really it was a matter of just like uh, helping to get the film at a, at a festival that then, you know, to be able to launch the filmmaker's career. Obviously you're still working like within an independent sphere. So it's not like you're working necessarily with like Marvel level budgets, but like you've definitely, the budgets have increased a bit. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. How, how much does that change it on your end? Or is it kind of just like, it's just, you have to figure it out no matter what. Well, it makes it a lot easier because you don't have to do every single job. <laughs> the bigger budget you have, the more you can really sort of, yeah, you can you could put a lot more into being able to be standing by the monitor, you know, and like really being there for the filmmaker. So that's that's the biggest difference is that you just have a have a larger team that you can rely on. Uh, so obviously, you were the producer on Nomadland, and just in general, and on this project in particular like were you driving across the country during the filming like with the whole gang mm-hmm. oh yeah yeah we talked to mary kerrigan a little bit during our nomadland episode but yeah she described that it was a real cohort environment and that you were like you were you were on the road making a movie for 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 serious yeah it was fun and you know like every movie i feel like you know you become a family but i think especially if you're out of out of town on jobs because you really everybody that you're with on the shoot is like who you're living with too you know so um i think and we we were really conscious of of providing that kind of atmosphere on nomadland because it was a longer shoot and so um like we our production office that we would set up at each hotel or motel um was also a place where people could gather and play games and you know have a beer after work Obviously, Nomadland is probably, at least recently, the most widely known or acclaimed thing that you've worked on. But we were wondering if there's another movie that you've worked on that you think maybe uh, not like overlooked is maybe the wrong word, but just like a movie you wish like, oh, shit, I did good work on that movie. People should know about that. Yeah, I mean, like the well, I really wish that people like knew more about songs my brothers taught me but um yeah i'd say probably like she's lost control and fort tilden the fort tilden was the the filmmakers then that went on to make search party um mm-hmm. yeah they, and it didn't really have uh as big as a life as i, I wished it had it, it won grand jury prize at south by and then was picked up by orion but it, it didn't really yeah it didn't make as much of an impact as i wished that it could have just you know as far as its reach and same thing with uh, She's Lost Control. It's a really special film that you can really see a very distinctive filmmaker who then went on, like she most recently did the um, third season, I think it was, of Girlfriend Experience, wrote it and um, directed it. Oh, is that the it. Steven Soderbergh show? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Nice. I watched the trailer for uh, Swallow, which I believe got bought. It was IFC. Mm-hmm, yeah. That, 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 looked, that looked like a success. Yeah, I was really happy with with that that um, how that film did, and actually, I think it in some way benefited a little bit from the pandemic because we it, it came out in theaters on March 9th, twenty twenty. It was March ninth, mm-hmm. and then in New York and L.A. And then the next week, it was supposed to open wider, but then that next week was when everyone went into lockdown. But because mm-hmm. the way that um, IFC works, where it's day and date, which means that it's in theaters and and available online the same day. Um, you know, started the pandemic, people were looking for things to watch. And I think that it's, it, it definitely overperformed what, uh, what was estimated for, for that. So like over the course of your career, what would you say that the thing is that you've gotten, mo- you've had the most, 
you've gotten much better at that particular thing. Like, what would you say mm. is the skill that you've been able to cultivate? They've honed the most. Yeah. Part that was a good question. I know. Off the top of <laughs> yes, the head, it is how a it works. Question. Um, I think I think giving notes um, because it's something that is well. First of all, like I think at first, like it was it was um, gaining confidence that it was that that I I could give notes, you know. Um, on the script and the edit and, but also finding the way to do it. And every single, every filmmaker is different and how they hear notes is different. And so being able to, to adjust how, how I'm speaking about a project, but also even just like being able to read a script and, and have an idea of what, what's working or not working and how to um, help steer the writer in a direction to improve. I've always wondered about notes because I feel like you always hear about either studio notes or like investor notes or whatever. And I'm like, is there like a formal process for those? Or is it just like you send like a Google doc with a bunch of bullet points on it? Mm. Or or is it just written script notes? For, for the way that I do it, and I, I, there's not, I don't, there's not like really a, a, you know, a specific way that at least uh, maybe, maybe there is in like, TV world or something I don't know but I what I do is I um I write very detailed notes I, I well it, it, it's when I start out though it's it's a larger kind of way of looking at at and I, I guess what I should say is I I write the notes in an email first and then send it to the writers so they can like um process it think about it and we and then we set up the time to go over the notes uh, over the phone or in person or whatever and I and I guess I do bullet points. I, I do do bullet points when I'm making the notes. Have you ever had to, without naming any names, obviously, but like, have you ever had to act as like a intermediary between, like, say, someone's putting up money and they mm, have a yeah. note, and you're like, yeah. "That's a dumb note. I yes. don't like that." Yes. And like, how do you handle that kind of a situation? Because obviously, mm-hmm. there's you like a power money. happening. You need there. their money, but they have bad ideas. Yeah, 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 yeah. I've definitely been in a situation like that. Um, well, it, it was understood though, that we, we were, um, that their notes weren't contingent on them. Like they had already decided they were going to work on the project. Pull funding. Yeah. Yeah. And so, well, like I will take the notes from the investor, not have the investor give them to the filmmaker so that I can, um, sort of filter filter. Yes. And maybe sometimes, reword it possibly in a way that might be more like easier to grasp productive, or, or yeah, yeah mm-hmm, productive so we'll ask you what you're working on now but uh is there any sort of potential future projects or at least type or genre of movie that you haven't had the chance to produce that you are that you're hoping comes across your path or there's like a dream type where it's like oh, i'd love to do a thing like that Mm-hmm. without mm-hmm. spoiling anything that might be in the works like i would have loved to have produced black swan i love that movie oh, i really yeah. like i like thrillers and i like uh things that are a little bit sometimes outside of reality you know i like when those when that merges i just watched black swan last month really good movie <laughs> i just watched it again recently too yeah yeah everyone is just watching movies they like and they're like i want to make this I want to make my own version of this, but that's an uh, that's a different enough to not get copyright infringement. In you know, <laughs> Black Swan two point yeah. Uh, yeah, Trent said this, but uh, what are you working on now or re- releasing now that you can mm-hmm. talk to, talk about? Uh, well, I have a film coming out in February called Catch the Fair One. It's also with IFC, 
Um, a trailer recently came out for that. And so excited to see how audiences will react to that one. The, um, the actress in it got nominated for a Spirit Award for Best Female Lead, which was incredible. It's her first, her first um, acting job ever. She wasn't an actor. She's a, she's a boxer. And um, so I'm so excited to not only see, you know, how audiences are going to react to this film, but also see what it might do for her, her career. So that's coming up. And then I have um, some projects that I'm packaging, you know, they're a bit higher in budget. So they're very cast dependent. So sort of, it's, it's a frustrating kind of like waiting game, basically, because you're trying to get, get through the, the gatekeepers, the agents to, you know, read the project and then, you know, say whether they feel like their client is right for it or not. And then, and then there's the whole waiting process for the actor to read it. It's, um, and then you're also playing that dance of like the chicken or the egg of casting and financing it at the same time, or, or which one do you do first, or do you try and do them at the same time? Yeah. I was going to ask, like, is there like a, an order that's ever like that you found is easier or is it just literally just project by project? It's different of like, is it easier to get cast members first or people to fund it first or whatever? Because it is the catch 22 that you can't get a cast without funding and you can't get funding without a cast. Yes. But the, the traditional way of doing it is you put your cast together and then you go out and finance it. Um, But I have found that I, I kind of, I've, I've done it at the same time. Parth, do you think it's time for the Big Kahuna final question? Uh, yeah, sure. I think we can do that. Well, the Big Kahuna final question is, what is the last great film you watched? And by great, we mean not good. Great. I know maybe I, I might, it might, is maybe it's uncool of me, but I loved the, the West Side Story remake. I went into it being Trent like... loved it too. I went into it being like, this is, should not be allowed. They should not be making this. I don't understand why. It was an unenviable task. It was just expertly done in every single way. I cried multiple times, performances, uh, where he put the camera. That that was something all throughout. I was just like, it just, I loved it. I heard West Side Story remake was coming out and I was like, this is stupid, but it's Uncle Steve. So I'll give it a (laughs) shot. I haven't seen it yet. But him and Giannis Kaminsky, they seem to know what they're doing. And also, like, it, the same songs, but, but new new dance, new dancing? What's not to like? Well, I think that there was a lot. Uh, there was some of the, the original Jerome Robbins choreography. Choreography? There's some, but, like, I, the whole sales pitch was, like, we can't do the same movie with the same choreography. Because then you're literally just watching a shot-for-shot remake. Um, or, essentially. But they mm-hmm. changed the dancing a lot. But the songs were, like, note-for-note, note, pretty much the same. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, like, is there like a hot take you have about like which one you prefer or? Oh, I prefer the 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 Steven Spielberg one. Wow. I kind of walked out thinking the same thing. I was like, this is an easier watch than the original. And it's like all the same songs I love. And it's the modern version that's like more watchable. Yeah, you're just you're so engaged in them in their the characters. And and, um, you know, even though you know what's going to happen at the end, it's still like still was just tragic heartbreaking and just in the best way it is unforgivable to speak on record though putting down putting down the original west side story because like one of the greatest movies ever made right right but if any if we're gonna it's uncle steve anything's (laughs) possible well uh parth you want to bring us out uh yeah um thanks so much to molly asher a former professor of mine uh she's 
worked on a bunch of really cool movies, The Rider, Nomadland, Songs My Brother Taught Me, Swallow, all cool movies that you should rent or buy on iTunes. Um, and yeah, thanks so much for coming on and talking with us. Sure. That's fun. Thanks. Great. Wow. That was an interview. It sure was. Thank you to Molly Asher for her time. It was very nice of her to come on the show. Give her worldly wisdom to us, you know? So I guess next week... Yeah, now we know it. Now you know what's coming. Now you know that next week is Matrix editor Joseph Jet Sally. And that's a pretty awesome interview, too. Yeah, that was a pretty good interview. And after that, we'll be discussing the film. Do you think we'll have a guest? I kind of think this should be a Trent versus Parth uh, show. I, I think we have enough to say, you know? W- will that episode require me to rewatch all four Matrix films? Like, if I'm I mean, fully you don't to participate? To. I mean, I've never seen Matrix 2 or 3, so I'm pretty uneducated. Um, I mean, having seen the entirety of Matrix 4 and, like, some people, um, it gives greater context to have seen 2 and 3, but... Four is very much so more related to the first Matrix than the other two. But part the thing you're missing is after staying through the entirety of the Licorice Pizza credits, because that brought me more joy than the third act of Matrix Resolutions. No, Trent loves uh, pedophilic relationships. That's fine. That's cool. (laughs) I returned to the Matrix for the final ten minutes. And it was absolutely baffling and stupid. (laughs) And they flew around. It was almost like you hadn't seen the movie join us next week for our interview with joseph jet sally uh follow us on our social media twitter instagram give us a good review on apple Podcasts and spotify is that it am i missing anything no parth you said it all um i'm ready to that i'm ready to talk about the matrix what can i say well you'll just have to join us next week matrix further matrix numero uno i'm excited to watch matrix too Okay. Uh, yeah, well, I mean, I feel like you might not like it. We can watch it together. Is that so? Well, I mean, we're allowed yeah. to not like the movies that we watch, even though... We're allowed to, but when, when your opinion doesn't align with mine, it kind of upsets me, because I'm just, like, smarter. Yeah, Jackson, friend of the show, aligned you to a fascist in saying uh, how you treat people who disagree with your opinions. He said that to about me? Yeah, he, uh... Equated you to Benito Mussolini, famous dictator of Italy during World War II. I'm comfortable with that. In the way that you would, like, decapitate or, like, subject people to execution at whim if you had the resources. The thing is, I think most people don't have as good of a reason behind their opinions as I do. And as soon as they do... I'll happily relinquish. But you've thought way. every you've thought everything through. I never don't. And you're ready to go to the grave for it. Yes, sir. All right. Well, with that being said, this episode's goodbye. done. Bye, guys.